Hello and welcome to the Turned On Podcast. I'm Angelique Nori, and my husband David and I have made it our mission to break the darkness by flipping the switch on the four most important areas of your life in health, relationships, business, and in faith. And sometimes the light in the world and in your life can go dim, either from the intrusion of technology or simply because society is so driven by instant gratification. It's our mission to help people see that we're hardwired for connection and that the best things in life come when we turn on the light to see with new eyes the opportunity that exists just a flip away. So if you're ready to stir your spirit, open your eyes, and profit in all areas of your life, then let's get turned on. Here we go. My friends, how are you doing today? This is David Nor, your host, and I'm here at Cole Media Studios in Tampa. And in our desire to bring you timely stuff that contributes to your overall health, your well-being, both physically, psychologically, uh, spiritually, I'm here today and I'm joined by my good friend, Dr. Jock Moser. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great, man. Happy to be on the show. Well, you've been on once before. We loved you so much. Uh, you and I talk quite a bit. We wanted to have you back. And let's just tell the people really quick how we came up with this episode. You know, you and I were chatting back and forth and being dads, we're talking about all these things that are affecting not only our children, but ourselves um, in the midst of this pandemic, uh, both, again, psychologically, uh, certainly physiologically. And we just wanted to come back and forth. And I said, you know what? I think a lot of people out there want to hear this kind of stuff. They want to know that they're not the only ones thinking about it, and they they definitely want some solutions. So um, we got a, a show here for you with a couple different things that we're going to talk about that I think each one of you, regardless if you have children or not, will be able to take something away. So what was your, what was the first thing, Doctor? Just give us a little bit about your background because they know we're just two two dads, but obviously you have a lot more credentials than I do. So tell them a little bit about what you do. <laughs> Yeah, don't, don't downplay how important you are. Um, yeah, so my doctorate, I'm a doctor of chiropractic, uh, but now I have, I've switched into the, like, the naturopathic health field. So um, I'm a naturopathic health expert. I've worked with over 5,000 patients uh, worldwide, actually. And what my passion has brought me to is really just health and well-being and teaching people just foundational principles on how to take care of yourself, being, whether, you know, be proactive or, you know, if you're stuck in that reactive mindset. And how to coach you, and like you said, mentally, physically, socially, and spiritually, and to bring you back as a dad, as a thousand percent, or just as a as a human being, to be as close to your divinity as possible. Yeah, and and I love it. And here's the thing: I've been finding myself saying this a lot, my friend. Is um, guys, put your big boy and your big girl pants on because we know that in these days. Um, people get really sensitive. We're going to give you our opinions, but we're going to try and present some information again. So. Um, it would be nice if we lived in a world where everybody just agreed, but we see that's not occurring. But we're going to bring you some research. We're going to bring you some opinions. So that being said, let's talk about this first topic, um, lockdowns. <laughs> what, what a crazy world it is when we feel like just when we're, it's, it's like that scene in The Godfather was like, just when I try and get out. They bringing me back in, right? Just when we're going back outside, you guys want to pull me back inside, and neither you nor I are big fans of that. Um, tell me what you think, buddy. 
Yeah, I actually, it's, it's funny that you brought this up. I just had a conversation with the last patient that I talked with today, and I, I'm, I'm using the beaten dog example where, and I'm not for beaten dogs just to kind of preface that, but think about, you know, living in that fight or flight state. And when you're constantly, you know, the first lockdown was like everyone was, you know, a lot of people were for and like, I don't know what's happening here, but like, yeah, maybe, maybe this will be good. And then now it's like, they, they let us out, they, then they take the, our privileges back. And then they let us out again, then they take more away. And like, what the heck is going on? So we're living in this beaten dog example where we don't know on a day-to-day basis, you know, the government's going to clamp down on this, that, or the other thing. And it's, it's causing so many people, and especially my patients, to live in such a fight or flight mentality. And that's horrific for your immune system. There's a ton of research on how that actually impacts your immune health. And so it's not good, whether it's a, a child or a family or for, you know, if you're working from home when you're trying to balance the stress of having kids running around. I mean, there's a lot of negative things and a lot of negative impacts that take place just on these lockdowns. Yeah. And, and here's another thing. This is a, a kind of, again, I'm going to remind people, the popular phrase out there is listen to the science. Okay. <laughs> listen. And here's the thing. I think that's taken on an incredibly new meaning in 2021 because of information and misinformation. I think it is incumbent upon us as an individual to test. We're obviously not going to test science. I'm not a scientist, but we can read. We can research. So just because somebody says test the science or trust the science, you know what? I'm going to do my own research because there are a lot of people, and I'm a big believer in naturopathic medicine, and only because I've seen it work in our own home. And and, and I think I'm your perfect person, doctor, because before I met Angelique Nori, I was the type of person that says, my grocery store has my best interest. My government has my best interest. My, my doctor has my best interest. And not that they don't, but Angelique was like, David, you got to research things. There's other ways out there than the way that is most popular that people tell you. And what we're seeing now, doctor, is we're seeing a lot of a lot of great people with great science behind them say, "Hey, there's more than one way to beat this thing." And just because somebody says trust the science, you don't put a blindfold on and say, "I'll do whatever you tell me." What do you think? That phrase in and of itself is an oxymoron. I'm just going to pause after that. It's an oxymoron. <laughs> Science is meant to be challenged until it becomes a law. Okay, law of gravity. Not likely that that's ever going to be you know challenged and changed. Science is science through the scientific method, where you have a hypothesis, you run it through the scientific method, and see if your hypothesis comes out on the other side as truth. And the scientific method is not to be bought off by you know hidden interests interest in mind yeah and so when we say trust the science it's saying we're just just trust that science maybe we should be that just trust that science don't challenge it don't use the scientific method and use you know critical thinking right just trust it don't question it and then in in such that then that's not science it's a science is always meant to be questioned always unless it's a law that's my take on it well, here's the thing. And what happens to intuition? What happens to common sense? You know, mm-hmm. like when my wife was having major issues for years and she would go to the top Ivy League science uh, schools of uh, medicine and, and they were trying to tell her one thing. She's like, but 
it's my body, like my intuition. I'm, I'm not crazy. This isn't a psychological problem. This is physiological. And, and, and since most medic, medical doctors, and we can get into this, they don't really study nutrition. Um, she had to go to a holistic health practitioner that put her on a, a special diet, what you call an elimination diet. And it wasn't mm-hmm. as easy as taking a pill. It wasn't pop this pill or put this in your body. It actually took a while because you have to eliminate things and then slowly introduce them back. But it healed her gut, which gets me into this next part. When we talk about the gut, that's where the majority of your immune system is in your gut. Um, there's something called, and look, look it up for yourself, it's called the hygiene hypothesis. Are you familiar with this, doctor? Yes. Okay. Um, I have the definition here, and then I'll let you go. I'm, uh, I'll let you yeah. rattle off on it. But I'll give you what the actual, like, if you're just a person like me and you're looking up the definition. In medicine, mm-hmm. the hygiene hypothesis states that early childhood exposure to particular microorganisms, um, stuff like the, the gut flora, right? It, it protects against allergic diseases by contributing to the development of the immune system. In particular, a lack of exposure is thought to lead to defects in the establishment of immune tolerance. So basically, in a nutshell, and that's from Wikipedia, I'm just giving you right there, the hygiene hypothesis is stating that if we protect our kids and we become like ultra clean and we sanitize everything and they don't go out and they're not exposed to some of these things, these microorganisms, that it's actually hurting their immune system in the long run and most likely will lead to the two two major things, which are allergies and obesity, of all things, which is interesting. <laughs> yeah. So what are your thoughts on that? So, yeah. Yeah. So I absolutely believe that that's true. You know, it's, that's that's a really amazing um, train of thought because really kids kids are born with their immune systems basically coming from, from mama bear. So I know that we talked about this, you know, the breastfeeding, the mom passes over antibodies to protect the child to, you know, certain illnesses, et cetera. Or if the baby comes across certain uh, illnesses, child, like as a baby, while they're still breastfeeding, mom can actually give immune markers to the baby to help to defend against whatever it is that they may not be um, capable of handling yet. But for me, I mean, think about it. Kids, kids in general, they're dirty. Like, I mean, not, and this isn't sounding bad. Like my kid will go outside, he'll, <laughs> he'll go to a Montessori school. He comes, he smells like a barn. He's out playing with, you know, there's horses or yeah. chickens, there's a peacock, like, and he's constantly coming in contact with dirt and just, he's, he's a mess. He's a boy. And what happens is the more your immune system is challenged by outside um, threats, the smarter your immune system gets. It's like having, it's like having, a, we'll just talk about military. It's like having a, a, a green, a green military member that somebody just signed up and they're like, oh, I don't know really how to defend. I don't even know how to use a gun. And then all of a sudden they start practicing. They have more exposure to it. They learn how to take out different targets and different types of form of combat. The more you're exposed to certain things or the more that that body is put into that environment that it needs to learn how to adapt, the more that muscle memory comes into play and where that immune memory comes into play. And that's how our antibodies, that's how our immune system, that's how that stuff works. And when we're talking about the immune system too and how it's dependent on the gut, we have to. We have to be exposed to these things. We can't live in these sterile bubbles. Otherwise, when you're you know, 30, 40, 50 years old, or even, heck, when you're going to college, you're going to be exposed to more dirty people doing dirty things, and you're going to be like, oh, my gosh, my health is gone. So I'd rather kids learn when they're young, get that immune backing that they need 
so that way they can defend against whatever it is that they come across. And, and I love the analogy. See, sometimes I, I, I teach analogies, so that's a perfect analogy. If you're if you're green and you've never been in battle, um, you're certainly not going to know how to defend yourself against things with the veterans. So that makes perfect sense. Um, and it's funny mm-hmm. because you talked about your boy smelling like a barn. Well, my daughter Noah just turned one, and I'll tell you what. Um, the other morning we sit there, we sit there, we drink our coffee in the morning on the porch with her. And one morning she's just on all fours licking the floor, like licking. And it's not a tile floor. It's, it's like a concrete floor outside. And she's just like licking it, looking at us laughing. And Angelique and I look at each other, like, Oh my God, her microbiome is going to, you know, it's going to be good. And then one day um, I'm working and she's out there and I see her put something in her mouth, but I figure it's food. Noah, who's one walks inside and I hear Angelique let out this blood curdling scream and I'm like what and she's like oh my god I go what's in her mouth she goes it's a dead frog oh man and, and, and just a thought of it I mean we washed her mouth out but hey guess what she's fine I don't know but um if we go back to the science now there's another guy I don't know in, in your circle you know who Dr. Josh Axe is yeah absolutely okay so he wrote a book called Eat Dirt and he talks about this leaky gut syndrome, and, and in his book, Eat Dirt, he says, most Americans live a germ-free lifestyle now. We're always sanitizing, we're scrubbing every single surface, especially you would call like the helicopter parents. You know, don't let little Johnny touch anything that's not sanitized. And they, they go out to eat, and they put these, you know, these little things down, and they sanitize the whole area. He goes, but we're also mm-hmm. eating processed food, we're eating pasteurized food, we're slathering on these antibacterial gels. He says, and while our homes and our hands might be clean, it's really causing a, a detrimental hit to our, our our gut and our immune systems because we're starved of nutrition and we're overtaxed by these chemicals and, and this excessive antimicrobial uh, use. So basically what he thinks, his hypothesis is that these are making microscopic tears in our intestinal walls, which lead to a condition known as leaky gut. So for those of you out there who have never heard of leaky gut, I mean, I think it's one of those things in the uh, naturopathic community. It's certainly one of those things in the holistic health community that has a lot, a lot of legs. And again, I'm only telling you from firsthand experience, this is what Angelique had. And the, the, um, the symptoms are serious. And most people don't know what leaky gut is in a natural medical community. And you have to go to a, a naturopathic doctor or a holistic health practitioner. But I've seen it firsthand, so I'm a huge believer. What are your thoughts on leaky gut? Yeah, I mean, I see that every day. Um, literally, when I when I run a stool test analysis, there's a marker that shows up on, on the GMF that I use. It's called zonulin. Um, and zonulin is a, is a direct measurement in leaky gut. And so the larger that number gets, the larger the gaps are, tears are. Tears, I like that better because it is. It's like a tear in the intestinal tract. It's not supposed to be there. And you can trigger food reactions, food allergens. Uh, you can allow pathogens to cross into the blood um, and, and get carried throughout the body and go systemic. It's it's a lot more common than you think uh, from whether it's the foods that we've had, right. from uh, if you've ever had like head trauma, concussions, they say they can cause leaky gut, then leaky brain. It's really, really, really impactful. And so if people aren't aware of this and they keep going to, uh, you know, they may go to their regular doctor and they're getting prescribed pharmaceuticals or pills and, and you're not addressing the problem. So what's the best way to establish if somebody out there, give us a couple examples of what some typical symptoms of leaky gut would be. And then how do they find out if they have leaky gut? So, um, 
in terms of symptoms of leaky gut, there's a lot. Uh, there, there really truly is. Um, we can see things anywhere from like the irritable bowel, like constipation, diarrhea. I see a lot of fatigue. Um, we can see difficulty with like concentrating. And then I would even lean towards skin rashing. I see a lot of skin rashes. Um, and there's different bodies of research and science that will say, you know, you're if your digestive tract is is ripped apart and it's not healthy, then your skin will also be ripped apart and unhealthy as well. So those are some of the most common things that I'll see with leaky gut. Okay. And and they do like a food allergy test, I think you can do, right? So you can do a food allergy test for leaky gut. Uh, for me, I love my stool analysis because it'll actually measure that zygote marker, and that test is called a GI map. It's from Diagnostic Solutions Laboratory. And you, like can, my gold and you, can, you can provide that, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it doesn't okay. matter where you are. I can ship, ship one to you. All right. So that's good. Now, uh, uh, something that's closely related to this, which I know is your area of expertise. We've talked about it quite often, um, especially so my friend Mark Burns and his wife Ariana welcomed their first child just a couple days ago, uh, Micah, and their first time parents. Now, I was not breastfed as a child. Okay. And I feel like, hey, you know what? I turned out pretty good. I'm healthy. I turned out pretty good. But my wife has breastfed all three of our children. I mean, Noah is just turned a year old and she's still breastfeeding and we'll do it. You know, we don't see it stopping soon. And the importance of that. So I'm going to have you talk on that, but I just want to give you something from uh, the Clinical Immunology Trusted Source, which is uh, it's a published um, this year or last year in 2020, basically says that. Um, mother's breastfeeding at this time, it's, it's very important. They said that the breast milk contains uh, immune cells. And if, if they're not doing this and they're not learning how to do it because of lockdowns or because of a lack of, of room in the, in the hospitals or, or doctors, this is detrimental. In other words, as a man, you just think, oh, when the baby's born, you just put the baby there and the, it's, the baby starts sucking milk. And for some women, it's extremely easy. But that's why they have lactation nurses. It's, it can be frustrating for a new mom. And what happens is if they don't get it right away, they give up. And I, and I would say just from my own experience, and I'm not a doctor, I'll repeat that. New moms out there, don't give up. It's one of the best things that you can do. I've seen the ramifications of breastfeeding our children, and it's fantastic. But from your expertise, uh, Doc, what do you think? I 100% agree. Um, Hoyt, our son, he was breastfed, I think, till 18 months. He had some food and stuff added in after a year, but I think she went a full 18 months. And then our daughter is 10 months right now and still uh, like breastfed. So, there, yes, the immune markers, the immune cells travel across into the baby, and that's how the baby starts to develop their immune system. Truly, truly is. Um, and in terms of not giving up right away, I've heard this a lot, and, and the lactation consultants are really big with this, but moms that get frustrated, stress will actually cause your milk supply to go down, and it could be something as simple as your, your kid has a tongue tie or lip tie or both and it's not latching properly. Or it can take about a week or so for your milk to come in. And a lot of moms that quit, quit after two or three days because they're so emotionally drained. Mm -hmm. And guys, I'm going to call you out on this. Husbands, I'm going to call you out. You have to be supportive yeah. of, this, of this process. You know, because it's it's a very stressful time. You bring a new kid into this world and all you want to do is be the best parent possible. 
but unfortunately, a lot of people don't talk about this stuff. <laughs> well, here but we in are. Terms just of breast milk. We're just two guys. Yeah. <laughs> we're just two guys talking about breastfeeding, guys. That's all. Yeah, totally natural, totally normal. <laughs> but it, it is. I mean, and and breast milk, like, and I'm sure Angelique and and you guys have you've seen this, but anytime anything goes wrong, like I know that Hoyt had a, a clogged tear duct in in one of his eyes. We're like, oh my gosh, what is that? And he squirts some breast milk in there, and boom, it's clear. Uh, baby acne, boom, per- sprayed on it, boom, clear, like instantly. You're like, holy cow, this stuff is really powerful. And so if you can stick it out, I mean, with breastfeeding too, something that's amazing, breastfeeding actual direct latching to the breast itself, the saliva from the baby, if the baby came across, and this is science, if the baby came across certain threats, bacteria, whatever, in the body, the saliva will have a certain chemistry that when it attaches to mom, mom's body changes the composition of the milk to give the immune cells to the baby yep. to beat whatever it is that the baby has. That fascinated me. When, when Angelique told me about that and I read about it, because it's a two-way street, and if, and if you, if regardless of who you are, read about it, especially if you're new parents, it's fascinating, because the 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 baby communicates through the mother's ducts in her in her in her nipple, uh, communicates back what it needs, and and the mom produces those things, which is is, again, it's a, I mean you want evidence of God, I mean, that yeah, that, that is amazing, and and Angelique's done the same thing, you know you talked about the tear duct and and putting breast milk on it, it really is. So good. And, you know, our last child was a C-section child. Noah was an emergency C-section. And here's okay. what they say about that. Um, Dr. Brett Finley of the uh, University of British Columbia, and he's not to get confused with Eat Dirt. He's author of the book, Let Them Eat Dirt. <laughs> we talked about Josh Axe. <laughs> so there's eat, there's eat Dirt and Let Them Eat Dirt. Um, Dr. Finley says that a C-section child has a 25 to 30 percent higher chance of getting obesity and diabetes because they don't encounter the vaginal and fecal microbes of normal birth. So when the baby passes through the birth canal, there's so many, so much natural things that happen in that birth canal. So you really have to kind of, if you are the parent of a C-section child, look for these things and make sure that, um, that they're normal. And then he also says, when you treat kids with antibiotics, they have much higher rates of obesity and asthma and things like that later on in life. So, you know, sometimes people are so quick to rush to put antibiotics in their kid with every little thing that happens instead of, you know, coming back a little bit. And these are all things, look, I've had three kids. So again, I'm not an expert. I did sleep at a holiday in last night and I am talking to Doc Jock. So um, I'm just trying to talk about some things here that, that I want you guys to do your own research on. Yeah, and I think what's important also to, to bring up as well is what's the alternative to breast milk? Or milk, yeah. It's a really, yeah, it's a really, really, it's like a Molotov cocktail of chemicals, dairy, and bad things for babies. And I, I coach a lot of people, you know, like I'll have parents that will come to me or moms that will come to me and they'll be breastfeeding. Like, what do I do? What do I do? The baby's doing fill in the blanks. Yeah. And one of the first things I'll say is pull out dairy. I actually just had to do this to one of my friends. I'm like, hey, pull out dairy. And she didn't realize how many things had dairy in it, but the baby wouldn't go in the car seat. And it was like fussing all the time, would never lay on its back. It was just, it's miserable. And it it tears apart the relationship because like 
the mom feels like she's failing. There's so much stress yeah. around being a mom. It's so it's so disheartening. But it could be something as simple as pulling out dairy. And I had a, a, a friend, another friend of mine, who was giving um, the wife gave up after a couple of days, unfortunately, and then he switched to a um, a dairy based formula. And the constipation that took place mm. in this baby was yep. awful. I've had people talk about formula, and they had to physically. I'm not joking you. I don't want to say who it was because it's closely related to me. Um, <laughs> they had to physically remove a solid turd from the baby to pass that turd through due to dairy. Oh, and this geez. is the alternative to breast milk. It could just be stressful. as simple as just lack on. Yeah, yeah, when when your 100%. baby's not going to the bathroom normally, it's very stressful. And here's here's what I want to warn people against because I know a lot of people will be like me and be like, well, you know, I'm in my mid 40s and I didn't have any problems and I wasn't breastfed and I was raised on formula. Guess what? Think about that with every other food that's out there right now. A cookie, you know, I had this argument with my parents because they wanted to buy my girls cookies, and and it got heated. And I'm like, mom and dad, you got to realize. A cookie when you were growing up or when even when I was growing up in the 70s is not the same as a cookie today. When you were growing up, mom and dad, a cookie had flour, sugar, and, and egg in it. Today, a cookie has, you know, yellow dye number five and, and about 10 other different words that you can't even pronounce. So I'm, I'm guessing the mm-hmm. same thing has happened with formula. I, don't, I wouldn't trust a formula if I had to pick that versus the mother's breast milk. Now, if, if you're just not mm-hmm. producing and you can, I don't want you to feel guilty about it. But if you have a choice and it it's – some people just give up because it's inconvenient. And don't do that. It's yeah. so much better for your child's immune system. Mm-hmm. So let's, yeah, have, yeah. let's shift yeah. gears here. There's two more things I want to get to in this episode, and they, they're yeah. both completely different than um, – they both have a lot to do with what we're going through right now and experiencing. But the second part, mm-hmm. which is interesting, and this goes – for parents and kids is this thought of sunlight. Um, You know, there's a statistic out there that says over 80% of COVID-19 patients um, were deficient in vitamin D. And that's according to a study in the uh, Endocrine Society Journal and Clinical Endocrinology and Metabolism. Doing my best here, guys. Um, And so here's what I thought was interesting. And again, I'm just presenting this topic and you guys can do your own research. So initially I thought, okay, well, it's important to be out into the sun so you have vitamin D, and it is. That's the best natural source of vitamin D. But these doctors were saying it's actually the UVB rays that they feel help combat uh, the virus best. So catch this. University of Edinburgh compared all record deaths from COVID-19 in the continental United States from January to April of 2020 with UV levels of 2,474 U.S. counties for the same time period. Here's what they found. The study found that people living in areas with the highest level of exposure to UVA rays, okay, had a lower risk of dying from COVID-19 compared with those lower levels. And so this, this analysis was repeated in England and Italy as well. And basically, um, their hypothesis is that sunlight exposure causes the the skin to release nitric oxide. And this may reduce the ability of the coronavirus uh, to replicate. And I found that very interesting because immediately I always thought it was the vitamin D, but it might actually be the UV rays 
Now, whether it is vitamin D or the UVB rays, do you have any uh, thoughts or have you read anything, doctor? Yeah, so there's actually, um, once, <laughs> once I moved to Arizona, I found out that I fell down below a certain line that's like a line of demarcation across the U.S. for those who technically don't need to supplement in with vitamin D. Um, so when you live in like one of the southern states, you have a higher likelihood of being able to convert. And so the vitamin D conversion with the UVA, UVB, it's, it's a reaction that happens inside the skin. It's a normal thing that does happen. And then, yes, it can release nitric oxide. Um, and then if you don't have proper breakdown, you can actually release too much homocysteine, which is a whole different thing. However, if you live in the northern states, you know, they'll say try to get 15, 20 minutes of sunlight a day to keep your vitamin D levels up. They found that even if you do that, or even if you're outside for hours at a time, you still don't get sufficient amounts of vitamin D through sunlight concentration. So they still recommend vitamin D supplementation to compensate for that that you are missing. Interesting. Yeah, that's something that was very interesting to me. Because, you know, coming from Pittsburgh, I mean, Pittsburgh, I felt like it was London or like Seattle half the time. It just rained. You never knew what the yep. weather was going to do. Yep. If you caught like one day of sunlight, it was like you'd celebrate. But when I when I test my patients I still have in, in Pittsburgh or Ohio, they do have statistically low levels of vitamin D. In one of my populations, they spend all day outside in the gardens and, and tending to things out, outside of their home. They're outside a lot, and they still have unbelievably low levels of vitamin D. Interesting. This is important. So yeah. especially, hey, guys, going into um, this next season here, we're, we're coming up on the fall and certainly uh, winter when, when the sun, uh, daylight savings time, and, and we know that especially in the northern states, it gets darker earlier. Like you just mentioned, uh, you know, even in Tennessee in the winters, it'd be days where we wouldn't see the sun for four or five uh, days in a row. There'd be weeks like that where there's just not a lot of sunlight. And we felt it. Now, here's an interesting thing. I did go to a naturopath doctor in Tennessee, and this was way before COVID. This was probably uh, 2018, early 2019. And, you know, just being in my mid-40s, I said, Doc, he, he had a medical degree as well. He, he was like, you know, one of those ones that had both. He's a medical, de- medical doctor and he's naturopathic. So I got kind of the best of both worlds. And I'll never forget the conversation. I said, Doc, you know, I'm in my mid-40s. I go, if, if I were just to ask you, what are three things that I can do to kind of keep myself healthy? What would be the first three things that you would say? And he didn't hesitate. This is what he said exactly. He said the first thing, intermittent fasting. The second thing, he goes, magnesium. <laughs> I'm okay. Mm-hmm. And the third thing he says is, the best thing to do is go out in the early morning hours and get direct sunlight on your belly, on your belly. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hmm, that's not what I expected, those three, but okay. What can you speak to mm-hmm. with that advice? So intermittent fasting is great, but be careful for females on that. And I also don't suggest intermittent fasting if you're in a constant state of stress because it is still a form of stress on the body. But for the most part, intermittent fasting is fantastic. And, and give, the, give, a, give them a, day, give them a yeah. time range, though, on, on intermittent fasting, because some people think intermittent fasting is two or three days. Some people think it's 12 hours. What, do you, what, what have you read that's the best? Uh, you can do like a 16-8 on that, 16 hours of fasting, eight hours of eating. Um, some people can only do just a little bit. Um, a resource that I do like to use quite a lot um, is Dave Asprey came out with a book called Fast This Way. It's an amazing book. Um, so it also tells about how, how to do it properly. 
Um, it's a cheap book you can get. You can get the audio book or you can get the actual physical version, physical copy. But that's what I would read if you're looking into doing intermittent fasting. So that way you don't do it improperly because yeah, it, you can have people who will do it and they'll gain weight and it's just out. And it actually is, is a way where, you're, again, a sign of God, your, your body takes the old cells and, and the garbage in the old cells, uses them for energy and basically to create new cells. So it's like your body's own way of taking out the trash. I mean, intermittent mm-hmm. fasting, yeah, if you haven't autophagy. read about it, yep. yeah, that's what, say it one more time because I always got it wrong. <laughs> autophagy. Autophagy. That's the word. I was looking yep. for that word, but it escaped me. I knew you would know <laughs> it. Okay. Yep. So then magnesium. Yeah. So magnesium, magnesium is something that I would probably say about 70% of my patients are on magnesium. Um, it's, uh, it's good for a whole host of things, but when we're talking about what has gone on for the past year and a half. When you are constantly stressed, goodbye magnesium. Your magnesium is gone. It's one of the quickest burns through the stress response. So you really have to make sure you're staying on top of it. So magnesium is definitely one that you want to get into your, into your daily regimen. But be careful with what types of magnesium. If you do like a mag citrate, um, it can liquefy the bowels a little bit. So you can do like a magnesium chelate or like a buffered magnesium, or you can do like a tri-magnesium where you have three different versions that isn't going to loosen the bowels quite as much. But it's great for the adrenals. It's great for the immune system. It's great for sleep. It's great for hormones. I mean, it's, it's an amazing, uh, it's an amazing, uh, yeah, magnesium is great. And don't, and don't you find it amazing how there's people out there right now going, how come I didn't know about this? Like, how come nobody's <laughs> talking about magnesium when when it does all these amazing things for you? Well, probably because mm-hmm. it's not expensive. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. No so, money in it, yeah. Yeah, magnesium. I'll say it again. Magnesium. Look into it. Look it up yourself. Okay? And the last one is direct sunlight. What do you think about that? Yeah, so direct sunlight on the belly, that's a different spot than, than I – know of i mean he could be right on it i'll have to look into that but i know getting direct like a direct sunlight first thing in the morning and that's without sunglasses on as well it helps to recharge your melatonin for the next night's sleep mm. it's really important because a lot of people to wake up to go to work will throw sunglasses on yep. to, you know jump in the car and get out and go if you can tolerate just a little bit of sunlight don't drive directly into the sun don't stare into the sun let's just put that you know in there but if you can tolerate a little bit of sunlight on those eyes, it will give you a better night's sleep the next night. Yep. Mama always told me not to look into the eyes of the sun, but that's where the fun, <laughs> that's where the, that's where the fun is. <laughs> that's where <laughs> a little man for man for you guys. Yeah. yeah. You just throw it in there. Okay. So we've covered two things. Here's where the third thing will end on this. And I know this is really at the heart of what I am most passionate about right now. And I know you and I spoke to this the psychological effects of what's going on right now in general. I'm talking about you, me, our children. I mean, this is a heavy, heavy time. You just spoke about stress and how detrimental stress is to your overall health. Well, we have to steward this. I said last week, I said in a post, I said, I'm a little upset that all we hear about is vaccinations and masks. I go, what I want to hear about the origin, where did this thing come from? I want to hear about prophylactics and I want to hear about how we can have treatments. And then most importantly, I want to hear about community and stress management, which nobody is talking about. We're just adding to the stress and that is the killer. And I'm, I'm passionate about it. And I save this one for last because my own family has been dealing with it and, and it's, it's frustrating. So I'll just start off the, the discussion with this and then you can chime in. 
Children as young as two years old are aware of the changes around them, and they are affected by it. It has been shown that children are fearful about the infection itself. They're fearful about how it will infect and, and, and affect family members. And apart from worrying a lot and showing fear, we're also found to be worried about their the kids are also found to be worrying about their family members. So we're not sheltering kids from this. They know it, especially when you're putting masks on them everywhere they go. Okay? And what's happening is we don't they're they don't express themselves. They're not gonna say sit down and go, Mom, I'd really like to talk to you about you know, how much stress I've been feeling because you put this mask on me. I'm also quite worried about yourself, Mom. I'm worried about your health. That's not how kids talk. But they're feeling this. And, and nobody's addressing this part, this psychological part. And so um, there's several studies out there. I'm just going to give you one from Spain and Italy. And they performed this on uh, over a 1,000 parents to study their emotional impact of the quarantine on children's and adolescents age 3 to 18. And they found that 85% of the parents surveyed felt worsening of the emotional and behavioral symptoms of their children during this quarantine, 85%. What say you, Doc? This this is something, that, I mean, as a man, it makes me want to cry. Because I work with this, whether it's with kids, Family, I mean, people are losing connections with family members. Um, my uncle, prime example, he won't talk to me anymore because of this whole thing. There are COVID divorces. That's actually like a term now. There's COVID divorce attorneys. I mean, and then you've got this, this social interaction of it all. It's, it's sad because I, when I lived in Pittsburgh, especially, it was it was a lot more heavy with the masks. And we never put a mask on Hoyt. He doesn't. He thinks masks are dumb and stupid. He's a smart kid. Yep. I found myself at times being nervous in public of my son because he's so he's so extroverted. It makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> He'll run up to people and say hi and be like, "You want to be my best friend?" And I found myself holding him back from expressing himself. Because I don't know how that person is going to take an unmasked kid running up to their kid. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah. And 100%. you know where I stand on this. And I'm like, good God. I'm like, this is not, this is not how we should be raising our kids. And then, I mean, you're, you're depriving these kids of oxygen. There's been a number of, you know, people coming out on studies and how it, it suffocates you. And if you don't believe it, put a mask on and try to go run 15 miles. You're going to yeah. pass out after like 10 minutes. It's impossible. And there were studies that those, pla but, those plastic shields they're putting up in the classrooms are actually worse because they're not allowing the room to ventilate and they're actually holding in more of the virus. So the plastic shields mm -hmm. that they put up for protection, again, trust the science. The science has proven that those things don't do what they're supposed to. Yeah. And so when we're talking about stress, I mean, it's on the kids and then you have behavioral issues and kids trying to learn from home and then they're stressed and then parents are stressed because the kids are at home. When we just use the word stress, stress has just become such a, such a household word where everyone's like, oh, I just have some stress. It's just normal stress. When you think about the actual physiological implications of what stress is doing to your body, stress is destroying your immune system. Destroying so from the very beginning. It's the worst. It's the absolutely. worst. Yeah, because there's a number, another number. It's called secretory IgA or SIGA, S-I-G-A. Anybody could look it up. It is your first line defense against any type of pathogens. And we'll just use viruses for this example. 
respiratory IgA lines, all of your mucosal linings from the nasal passages, the mouth, the throat, the respiratory tract, the digestive tract, all the way out the anus, out, out the rectum. When we're under a constant state of stress, it weakens our immune system and leaves us more susceptible, not just to COVID, but other infections coming and attacking our bodies because we're under a constant state of stress. And when people need an example of this one, think about herpes, right? People yep. get cold sore outbreaks when they're stressed, stressed out. Yep. So if you need a real life lubrication of what does that actually look like, there it is. Great example. Yeah. So this entire time we're destroying our bodies. We're destroying ourselves. We're destroying our kids. And then we're worried about COVID. Yeah. That has a 99% you like, non-mortality rate. Right. That's what we're worried about. Yeah. So the things that they're in telling office, us. Like, yeah. It, to, to, you know, we're eating because we're indoors. We're eating out of boredom, which we're gaining weight, which obesity, we know that's a comorbidity factor. Um, and then we're stressing more. That's going to be a comorbidity factor because for, for your, um, you know, your natural immune system is taking such a hit. And so the, here's the stuff. It's like it's, it's exacerbating the problem. And that's why I said, why aren't we talking more about how to solve this and move on? Because we're just stuck. We're like on this hamster wheel. And now they're saying, well, you're going to have to have booster shots every five months. I mean, no, let's talk about prophylactics. Let's talk about treating this thing. Let's talk about how are, we're dealing with this stress and then certainly obesity. Do you know that I couldn't believe it. Like, I had to read it twice and make sure that it wasn't fake news, that it was coming from a reliable source. But they said in the last 16 years, the instance and propensity of type 2 diabetes, which is a, which was they called the onset diabetes, not the kind you're born with, type 2, um, has gone up 95% in adolescence. Wait a minute. That's a staggering 95% type 2 diabetes in the last 16 years, that is an epidemic. That is staggering. And if we don't do this, the other stats, you might have seen in episode uh, 119 of our podcast here. If you haven't heard that, go back and listen to it. The uh, World Health Organization has said that obesity has tripled worldwide. Tripled. And that... Um, a Harvard study predicts by the year 2030 that half of all U.S. adults will be overweight or obese. A quarter of them will be what they call severely obese or 100 pounds. I mean, it's there. Like, it's the elephant in the room. And no pun intended, I'm sorry, but we're all ignoring this stuff, guys. And we're, we're focused on more shots and more masks. It's got to stop somewhere, Doctor. It's sad because... people, we live in an Amazon prime society. Yep. We want results in two days or same day, same day shipping. But the way that I see that is we're directly handing over control of our health because type two diabetes used to be called adult onset diabetes. Yep. Now in adolescence kids, it is lifestyle diet and lifestyle related and it means you as a person as an individual have the ability to make proper health choices and decisions 
to stop that statistic from becoming true for yourself. And you know this, David. I mean, you guys live an incredibly healthy lifestyle. And your kids, we talked about this right before, and our kids are going to be superhuman because we're teaching them how to be in control of their health. Yeah. Because if we keep allowing doctors out there to just keep medicating us and never talking about diet, nutrition, lifestyle, all those things that are massively important, then it's the, yeah, it might, might be 95% or, or it might be half of adults. And then what's going to happen 10 years from then or 20 years from then? Are they planning on all of us being obese, stuck on medications? You guys have it's seen the movie. Good. You've seen the movie Wally, right? I mean, Wally, the children's yeah. movie. In the future, they're all they're all on, on hovering chairs, just eating fast food and and, and big soft Filling drinks over their chairs. Um, and yeah. and then what you're seeing is this is what nobody talks about: the economic implications of that happening, of half the population being obese, of 95 percent increase in childhood type two diabetes, the economic implications of that it will it will totally collapse and i'll say it again it'll totally collapse the healthcare system 100 percent. people talk now about healthcare, healthcare. you see every politician wants to run on healthcare, and what do they want to do i don't care i don't care what they say because we'll be paying half of our salaries for healthcare, even the healthy people and, and that's where it's like yeah. hey your lifestyle decisions Free will. Like, I'm never one to say, hey, you know what? If you want to smoke, as long as it's not in my face, go smoke a cigarette. If you want to eat, you know, I don't believe in Bill de Blasio saying we're not going to let people sell big gulps. I'm, I'm an American. If you want to have a big gulp, man, have 10. If you want to go eat McDonald's, have 10. What, as an American, though, what I don't want to do is I don't want to watch my weight. I don't want to eat healthy. I don't want to exercise and have to pay because you decided not to. That's where I get a little upset, and this is where people need to speak up, because well, you know, you got to be nice, and we got to be fair, and it's not their fault. Mm. I don't know if that's going to get us anywhere in this country. I don't know if we're really going to get anywhere where we need to get if we keep saying it's okay, it's okay, but economically, it'll bankrupt the healthcare system as we know it. Well, what I call it is, is physical socialism. Yeah. Yeah, because if we're all the same, it's you know we're all physically the same. We're all going to be taking the same drugs. We're going to be easily manipulated, and we're just going to be waiting for the next new drug, next new drug, next new drug. So it's it's up to us, and not just like as as doctors. I'm saying like it's up to us as as dads, as parents, as as just people, as individuals. You know, I I believe that our body is the temple of God. Like, yep, if you're poisoning your body every single day, what do you think is going to happen? Like, like I wish, and one of my mentors, uh, Chris Zeno, he, he brought this up. It's like, I wish that every time you ate a Big Mac, it's going to take years off the end of your life, but I wish you would like just shut down, like your body would just shut down and you would die for 10 minutes and then you'd have to come back to life every single time you made a poor health decision. Because it'd be a lot easier to think about those poor health decisions that you're making when you feel it instantly, versus thinking about, oh, that's never going to happen, or oh, that's off in the future. I'll, I'll be, I'll be fine. I'll be old. I'll be. I want to die anyway. It's like a high interest credit card. You know, no one thinks about yeah. it. They just start <laughs> charging on it. And then comes time. Hey, you got to pay this debt. Oh, yep. yeah. Well, 
Can I get out of it? No. So what we're looking yeah. at here is um, let's give them some solutions. Let's end the last five minutes here. Let's end on some positives. So what we're seeing from this study in Italy and Spain, and like you said, they're all around the world, is 85% increase in the emotional and behavioral symptoms of children. And how that broke down, 76%, they said, were feeling more difficulty concentrating. Um, restlessness was up. Feelings of loneliness, nervousness, anxiety, anger, fear, irritability, boredom. These things were all up 30 to 50 to 70%. So the consequences are serious, but anybody can complain. Let me give you my three things. And then, uh, Doc, as I'm saying here, you can... I'll kind of put you on the spot, and you can give me your three things, and if they overlap, they overlap. So here's my three things, especially with the children that I've seen and we're testing out. The first thing would be healthy eating. So one of the things that we're really focused on, this is pretty much why we sold our house and are getting a new house, because we wanted the kitchen to be a focal point of the family for healthy eating. We wanted a bright kitchen. We wanted a, we wanted a, huge, um, a huge island. We wanted a big refrigerator, and we wanted a space where the family could participate in cooking a healthy meal, chopping up stuff with plenty of space. If you're in a small kitchen, in a small house with that's dimly lit, guess what? You're probably not going to want to be in there making great meals, okay? So let's get our kids involved in the cooking process. Ella is nine, and she's developing these skills now, which I love. Healthy cooking, the number one. The second one is outside. This might seem like a no-brainer, but our kids need to be outside. They need to be playing. Now, I'll contradict myself a little bit here. Um, We restrict our children's time on devices heavily. I mean, when my daughter's talking to a friend, she always has to ask, can I FaceTime? Can I do this? Can I do this? What I will say is, in in this day and age, they do need people other than their parents, and if they can't get out as much, they need that relationship with kids. So we've allowed Ella to have a little bit more time to talk to her friends on FaceTime and uh, video platforms. But we also have encouraged them to get outside. I went out to play it against sports. I bought, I bought us tennis rackets. I bought us bicycles. I bought us um, a mitt and a softball. I bought us a Frisbee. Um, I bought, um, it's a, <laughs> this is so funny. Do you know if you own a Play It Again Sports right now, you are banking. I mean, if you go into places, you can't get a bicycle or a fishing pole. Like if you're like, hey, that's a good idea. Guess what? If you go out right now and you try and get your kid a fishing pole or bicycle, (laughs) good luck. Okay? If you want uh, a slip and slide, I I don't see any of these things because we're realizing that, hey, outside is so important. And the last thing I'll say, and I'll let you finish it up, is I'm a really big believer in art. Um, why? Because it's it's for, for three or four reasons. It helps them with their communication skills. They can draw. They can. It's an outlet. It helps them solve problems. Um, they could, you know, should I paint this this color or that color? It helps them with their uh, cognitive skills, painting in the lines and drawing with their social. It's a, it's a form of expression and their motor skills, again, with the, with the precision of the, of the pencil or the paintbrush. And it's, it's a creativity and self-expression. So those are my three things for you and your kids to do together. Play outside, cook together as a family, and then everybody should try and get involved in some type of art or expression of themselves 
in an artistic manner. And yeah, I love those. And I'll, I'll piggyback on the last one. I have my own three, two of them kind of overlap though. But like for, for example, Hoyt, our son, he's three, just turned three. That kid is a dynamo with Legos. The, um, the things that that kid is able to build Legos and puzzles, it blows my mind. I just sit back and just that creative thought. He's like, I need this piece. I'm like, what piece? He goes, that one. And he just, the meticulous thought behind it. And you see what he comes up with. He's like, what the heck? And he goes, this dragon. I'm like, it kind of looks like a dragon. Like, how did you do that? I'm in awe by that. And it is, it's such peaceful time. It's what he does every night before he goes to bed. He uses that critical thought, which also helps him to get tired, which is, plays in our favor. <laughs> but it is really, it is a really good thing for, for people to be doing. Yep. Um, so, so my three, I agree with the healthy eating. So I, I go for like the things to avoid just to try to make things simple. Avoiding gluten, dairy, and sugars are going to be huge. And guys, sugars, carbohydrates, your, your processed carbs, your breads, your things like that, carbohydrates break down into sugars. So that also includes like your overwhelming consumption of breads. Try to cut that back here. Uh, number two, absolutely get out and play. Um, we actually bought like a little mini inflatable swimming pool because yep. in Arizona, it's like 114 degrees every day. It's very difficult to get outside. So how to get vitamin D, throw them in that swimming pool. We splash around, get a little bit of exercise in there too and get some good vitamin D. That's almost every day after he comes home from school around like one o'clock, we go for a swim. And the third one, I think this is really important, especially nowadays, show your children how to have normal interaction with adults yes. and other people. I like it. Explain, okay. explain a little bit. Have pe- yeah. So have people over, have people over, get rid of the masks. I'm probably getting yelled at for it, whatever. That's okay. Have people over. So show, you know, show them, show them how to be, show them it's okay to have friends and have people that you, you love and, and you want to hang out with. And when you're out in public, do kind things to show normal interactions if you want to hold the door for somebody hold the door for somebody don't be afraid they're going to be close you broke the six foot rule you know i think it's really important for like a psychological mindset to know like hey doing these things are normal wearing a mask and hiding in a, in a dark alley somewhere and you know hiding <laughs> from covid is not it's not normal it's common it yep. is not normal so those would be my three. I love it. And and here's the one I'll add because I'm just about to give the people your information. Uh, and I'm looking at your, your Instagram profile, and you do a very good example of this, is smile. If you look at Doc Jock's inter, uh, Instagram, he's always got a big smile on there. And I'm a big believer in it's it's actually studied. It's called the Duquesne smile, and it's where your your teeth show and your, your cheeks go up and you get a little crow's feet going there. That's how it's characterized. And I think we all need to smile more and be more proactive in just – what our facial expressions look like on a day-to-day basis because when you smile, it's been shown, when you physically smile, your endorphins in your body naturally increase. So that being said, go to Doc Jock's page. It is D-O-C underscore J-A-C-Q-U-E. And watch him smile. One more time. Go to this page. Watch him smile. It's Instagram, D-O-C underscore J-A-C-Q-U-E. He's Doc Jock. He is an alternative and holistic health specialist. He's my good friend, and I want to thank you for your time today, and I want to say God bless you and your family, and thank you so much for your valuable information. God bless you as well, man. It's always a pleasure speaking with you. Guys, I hope this helped. Tell your friends, share this with them, and we'll see you next time on the Turned On Podcast.